0: Welcome to another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. This is kind of Commitment Issues after dark, isn't it, Woody? It is 9.30 on the East Coast as we sit here and record this. This is the latest ever we've ever recorded, Uh, mostly because you have been out working today, unlike me who has been sitting around writing in my underwear. But, you know, satellite camps are all the rage, and you have been at one of those this afternoon. Uh, You just tell us about, you know, what happened there and, and, you know, what was your first satellite
1: camp experience of the year? I wouldn't call it a satellite camp as much as I would call it uh, worshipping at the altar of Jim Harbaugh. It was a (laughs) a real experience uh, being there and kind of getting a chance to see him in action uh, doing his thing. I mean, it's crazy to think about – you know all the talk we've heard about him and everything, and then being out there and seeing it lot in a live setting, it was really, it was really something, man. I mean, he uh, of course he showed up in a Hank Aaron jersey, which was uh, definitely something I, I wasn't expecting. And then and then he brings out old Hammer and Hank himself, which I actually texted you a picture of, and you were even, you know, you're a baseball geek, so you were excited by that. Um, but
0: yeah, it's not it's not easy to get me excited over this, this kind of thing, but when I saw Hank Aaron, I you know something came alive inside. Yeah. Of I
1: should have went and talked to Hank about it. And he would have been like, what's a satellite camp?" You could tell he was just, you know, he was just along for the ride. He talked. And of course, right when he goes to talk, like some cement truck starts like dumping cement like in the background and nobody could hear what he was saying, so that was kind of disappointing.
0: Yeah, he's not really packing the booming voice anymore in his old age, right?
1: And it, I mean, <clears throat> so anyway, it was uh, it that part was interesting, but what what I really took away was, I mean, I've been to these events before, obviously, I've complained about him on this podcast when Harbaugh is involved. There's just a completely different energy to it. I mean. He's running around the field. He's yelling. Almost every period at the event was a was some type of competition, which I thought was interesting. He had kids racing each other. The camp ended with them doing uh, some type of ab contest to see who could hold their legs up the longest. <laughs> which was
0: did Did you take part in the ab contest? I did
1: not. I, I wouldn't. You know, if if uh, my performance on uh, ab Ripper X on P ninety X is any indication, I would have done very poorly. <laughs> In this uh, so ab contest they had going. So on. let me get
0: this straight. There were other. I mean, there were there were other head coaches at this event, but it was dominated by Jim Harbaugh, who just assumed the alpha role and made this the Jim Harbaugh camp. Is that how? What am I to understand? Yeah,
1: one hundred percent. Kirby Smart was there from Georgia. Uh, Pat Narduzzi was there from Pitt, who was kind of a surprise. He wasn't even you know bill. He wasn't on the billing of the camp as being there, but uh, he was there uh, with a few of his assistants. A lot of the Georgia assistants were there. Kirby Smart actually flew in on a helicopter. I guess which I, I saw the helicopter fly in and I was like hey, that's a you know you know a helicopters loud and annoying uh, and I didn't even think anything of it I just thought it was a low-flying helicopter turns out it was Kirby smart uh, arriving which was a
0: that's a way to make an
1: entrance yeah but it's not like he landed it in the center of the field where they were playing so or where they were gonna have the camp so I, I'm not sure if, if the kids really noticed or, or, or anything like that Um but there, make no mistake about it, Jim Harbaugh was the was the ringleader of this camp. I mean, he basically – they basically just took it over. I mean, the high school coach was there. He gave a little bit of speech. And after that, I mean, it was be- it was basically all like, – Yeah, on a
0: scale of one to ten, though, I was, I was surprised to that Jim Harbaugh was like the outgoing alpha personality at the satellite camp. Like, I mean, come on. That's a no-brainer. I think people – I mean, I guess – when you get these coaches together, you think that I guess somebody has to take a back seat. It's not something that we often think about when we think about these mega satellite camps with multiple coaches, but somebody is going to dominate the conversation, right? I mean, they're not here to share and play nice. Uh, apparently, that guy was horrible.
1: Yeah, and then Harbaugh talked nicely about Georgia afterwards in the, in the interview session that we had with him, but uh, I mean, he, like I said, I mean, it was his camp. I mean, the Georgia coaches were there. I think, actually, they got a, they probably get a little more out of it because – Maybe they see a kid they like. They can invite them to campus or something like that. It's much easier. There, there was not a ton of talent there, as you know. Lunch is one of my main complaints. I mean, there were, there were kids in the camp who were then getting autographs from Harbaugh after on, you know, you know, plates and stuff like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I will frame this. I will mat and frame this. Paper solo plate. My office. Right, kid This, yes, ki- this
1: kid came and showed me. He's like, "This is the good stuff." And I was like, "I don't care about <laughs> you know Jim Harbaugh's autograph." Was it? Was the showed shit you on a paper plate? Uh, no, no, it was on. No, he had like he was like one of those guys who who gives memorabilia to kids at baseball games to get signed. He had like he had like legitimate Michigan.
0: Oh wait! A, so he's like a hustler, one of those guys that goes around. He's going to sell that. Well, house. no, but he came to satellite a, it, camp to turn a profit. Right?
1: It was like a fourteen-year-old kid though who participated in the camp. I don't know if his dad is one of the hustler types or what. Uh, he could be the hustler type. Yeah, yeah, but there were there were plenty of Michigan fans there with flags and jerseys, and I mean we had to wait to talk to him for like half an hour with all these people taking pictures. So it was. I mean, it was quite a scene. I definitely look, man. He's as close to a celeb
0: as a college football coach gets. I've been at games with him at, at IMG, and Michigan fans were there. And I can't imagine Michigan fans came to watch the IMG high school
1: football team play,
0: and they just you know sat at the fence line and cheered for Jim Harbaugh as if he was Robert Redford.
1: Well, you know he he came up and uh, sh- and shook my hand as I was watching uh, mid mid camp and talked to me for a second. Uh, You know, he seems like a nice enough guy. I mean, obviously, I can't imagine he's a joy to cover on a a regular basis, Uh, you know, doing the old post-practice interviews and stuff. I don't know if that would be fun or not. Uh, But from our perspective, he obviously, you know, uh, moves the needle. uh, Anything we write about him and, you know, this podcast, we're talking about him. I think he's good for college football. He took another shot at Nick Saban after the camp as well. Called him a hypocrite. Uh, So, I mean... He also he also said Hank Aaron's the true home run king. Fired some shots at Barry Bonds in the process. Yeah, that's just yeah, well, that's
0: just absolutely categorically false. Uh, we can get into that on another podcast. Um, you know, Hank Aaron's
1: a very nice player, and I'm sure he's a very nice guy. But you can't just lie about the guy's numbers. <laughs> well, so, <you> know, <laughs> tell that to the Hall of Fame. Uh, so, so, so so anyway, he uh, it was cool. I mean, I I, I would say uh, you know the event gets high marks from an energy standpoint. Uh, it doesn't, you know, they didn't do a whole lot of competition period. So for an evaluation purposes, you know, there was, I would not say there was a whole ton of value to be taken away from any of the coaching staffs there. You know, there was a lot of competition period, but it was like, Hey, which quarterback can throw the football in one side of the upright and get it to cut out on the other, you know? I'm,
0: yeah. Well, that's the thing that we've been saying on this podcast forever. Evaluation was never what this was about. This is publicity. This is, I mean, you know, I'm sure there were other uh, Michigan recruits that were there not competing, just watching the spectacle and watching Jim do Jim. Uh, and maybe that's when Jim's at his best. You know, that's why he does these signing day things. Is When Jim's being Jim, like he's doing on Twitter or whether he's doing it in person with his shirt off at camp or whatever, that's what makes him attractive to players. Uh, that's why I think these satellite camps are Taylor made for him. He doesn't have to evaluate. He just gets to go out there and, you know, be the Jim Harbaugh personality, and play the character, if you will. And, you know, that's enough to attract guys that are already interested in the school or the guys that they're interested in. And that's what he was doing today,
1: correct? Yeah, yeah. And there there were some big-time players there. A lot of uh, players with ties to Georgia were there. But, you know, Tony Gray, who's a four-star, who's uncommitted, he showed up. But all those guys were just watching. Uh, There were a couple Georgia commits taking part in the camp. There was Oklahoma State commit, uh, you know, who was was there. But, I mean, for the most part, yeah, this was all about – the Harbaugh Traveling Roadshow and the, pub- the publicity tour. I mean, the the amount of media that was there. He, he actually went and did a camp in South Georgia later in the day, and I, I had sort of thought about going to that one. And in retrospect, I wish I had, because I probably would have got a lot more time with him. Uh, you know, it would have it been a better from my perspective on that front and probably could have maybe found some, some talent there. Just <laughs> the players that were there were not – I mean, my guess would be there was about 10 to 15 – D1 players, and that, that that's, includes FCS uh, at the camp participating. Um, and, you know, they, they end up picking up a commitment. By the time this podcast airs, it'll be out of uh, 2018 offensive lineman Jaleel Irvin, uh, who was actually out at the camp standing around watching as well. Uh, I think that was obviously, a, you know, we saw with Michigan Satellite Camp Tour last year, they kind of had a few commitments lined up. Uh, to a couple plants. right, exactly. <laughs> so I think he was a, definitely a plant, but I'm sure you know the story is going to be, and, and and that's why they manipulate. That's how they set it up. The story is going to be Jim Harbaugh held a satellite camp in at Atlanta on Thursday, and on Friday he got a commitment from a kid from Atlanta. That's that's all it's going to. These things, yeah, and, and you know, guys that don't follow
0: recruiting in the mainstream media are going to assume and possibly write. That Jim Harbaugh discovered this guy at the camp, right? And that he wasn't just standing around in, in jeans.
1: Right, actually, yeah. And then meeting up with me in a Kroger parking lot after the camp was over to uh, to do the interview, which you can watch on rivals.com. Check out the wolverine.com, our Michigan site, where that uh, that interview will live. So, uh, oh boy. Well,
0: moving on, I guess we'll stick with the Michigan on Harbaugh theme here. Move on from the
1: satellite camp
0: to the sphere of social media where. Harbaugh also does Harbaugh quite often, and this week we had a little dust up with uh, our defending national championship head coach Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh, where you know Nick Saban made some comments about satellite camps uh, and even went out of the way and said, "I'm not blaming this on Jim Harbaugh at the SEC meetings in Florida." And, of course, it wasn't long uh, until our hero took the to Twitter <laughs> fired back by referencing him having to fire an assistant coach. I mean, he went hard. I mean, Jim went for the jugular here. This wasn't, like,
1: subtle whatsoever. Yeah, there was a guy there today from uh, Vice, the uh, website that I'm sure you and yeah, you uh-huh. all your friends read every day. Yeah. Um- <laughs> <laughs> that was an inside joke uh, for, the, for <laughs> yes. the listeners of this podcast. No um, actually, I have a friend, uh, Na uh, Nguyen, who works for Vice, uh, so big shout to her. Uh, her. Her cousin Mary is actually spending the night at my house tonight, so a big shout to Vice Media, Hold the whole group, but uh, he was there, <clears throat> and he was actually saying that, that the reason Bo Davis got in trouble was because of a satellite camp last year, and he, he it was his theory that He's like, I bet every SEC team's got people here taking photos of Harbaugh to make sure. I mean, he was really going vice on the whole thing. I was like, I don't think it's that elaborate, dude. I think it's just <laughs> yeah. <a> football. <laughs> you know, once you vice for so long, you know, vice becomes you. Yeah, he was really, uh, he was really into that theory. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> it's <laughs> just another it's a real diabolical uh, diabolical plan there by the SEC teams
0: <laughs> Britt was on top of the press box <laughs> shooting down the zoom lens uh, uh,
1: yeah exactly so anyway uh, I you know I didn't read too much into it I mean it makes for a good pub but uh, anytime Harbaugh, you know, Harbaugh basically uses my Twitter strategy. I mean, I just made fun of a, I just made fun of a high school receivers coach on Twitter for putting up a video of kids making one-handed catches, like barely. And I was like, is it cool if I could do it? You know, it's the same, it's the same theory on a much smaller scale. If somebody's teased you up like that, you're going to take it. So that was kind of how I read that. I don't, I don't think it's a, that big of a deal, do you?
0: No, it's not, and it always goes back to what we talk about on the show about him, is everything he does, It's not stupid, and I don't think he's a hothead either, I think that there are certain media outlets and certain people that paint Jim Harbaugh as this loose cannon, you know, if he's going to come at you, but no, this is all calculated, like, look at us, here we are talking about Michigan again, he, I mean, he does this all, I mean, this is all very measured, you know, it's not like off the cuff, I don't think, he knows what the repercussions are, and they're good for him.
1: Well, and you know... I am a loose cannon in some aspects of life, but a lot of my social media uh, campaigns are also super calculated. So I relate to the guy. I mean, I love taking shots at people in social media, and it's it's fun. It's not personal. If he if he, if he he saw Nick Saban, I'm sure he would just be joking with him. I mean, I don't know if Saban would think it was yeah, absolutely. funny, but yeah. uh, I know Harbaugh thinks it's fu- no. funny for sure. <laughs> but because it's
0: a well-known fact that Nick Saban does not joke.
1: Right, exactly.
0: <laughs> so, when I t- retweeted when I wrote the story about Jim's tweet, I had an Alabama fan tweet back at me. It said, "Who's going to telegram Nick Saban to tell him about this?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, so so that that you know, it's been an interesting week of Harbaugh. We we love it because it gives us something to talk about in the off season. Um I wanted to talk to you though, boy. Ole Miss, uh, one of our best, you know, the analytics say Ole Miss, uh, our site, rebelgrove.com, by far one of our most passionate audiences. We uh, have talked about their situation. We actually joked around a lot about it because initially when the allegations came out, uh, you know, sources leaked out that it wasn't the football program. It was old stuff. It was this, that, and the third. And uh, now it turns out the report comes out. I think it was their self issued report. Uh, I read it. You haven't had a chance to read it yet, but uh, basically they broke a lot of rules. I've
0: seen the summary. Right. Yeah, See, I haven't read the entire report, but I know of what happened.
1: Right. They broke they broke a lot of rules, none of them morally reprehensible. I mean you know, from I mean, no offense to, to, to any other schools out there, but the things that are in that report are nothing different than I know every other school in the SEC does. So
0: Well, there's a couple of reasons why it's been gone over because it's sort of, at least the reaction has sort of been a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like everybody, it was the cool thing to do when they grabbed that huge recruiting class headline by the number one player in the country, Robert Kenichi, to accuse them of cheating without base. So you have all these reporters and fans of other schools uh, going, you know, writing columns or going on Twitter and saying, this is how this has to happen. You know, sources say blah, 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 but they never had any proof. So now that this comes out, and they're not giant violations, like Ole Miss isn't going to have to forfeit a bowl game, are they? I mean, I don't think uh, that's well, I, I think, think some p- coaches are going to come off the road. Yeah. But it's a party because it's like, look how right I was. And nobody in the world, especially on the internet, passes up a chance to tell the world how correct they were. Well, yeah. So uh, that's why this is received with great fanfare, I think.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if they lost a year. I mean, I think they their self-imposed was 11 scholarships. They pulled a couple coaches off the road. I'm not sure if we ever got on the record who those coaches were. I think I know who they are. I think everybody knows who they are. If, you know, the Ole Miss fans are listening, it's two of their best recruiters, which I think could be, you know, an impact uh, from a certain extent. But, you know, the the, the issue is, like like I said, I I don't view them as major rules violations. And now I'm not exactly one who, you know, is a, a stickler to the rules and thinks that, you know, if a... You know what goes on at Ole Miss is worse than what was going on at Baylor or anything like that. Uh, but you know it. No, no. You, unfortunately, they got caught. I think they're going to get punished. I wouldn't be surprised to see a one a one bowl band, especially because excuse me, I'm a little little uh, froggy over here, especially because uh, this is with before the Tunsil stuff. So now. You know, the one thing that I think from a recruiting aspect that that we should be concerned about, Ole Miss actually asked for more time to investigate that, and then come back with more charges. As we learned from Miami, you got to take the you got to get the punishment out there ASAP because the longer it hangs over the, your head, the worse the worse things get. I think Ole Miss just needs to take it and, and kind of get it off the way because schools are going to use it going forward.
0: No, I concur. I guess my point was was not that you know what they did wasn't a violation or what they did isn't worthy of a, a big penalty. My thing was people want to celebrate because they tried. You know, they this is an I told you so thing. So this is why oh, this being yeah, sensationalized. Sure. Yeah. But I think I, th- I think that people, you know, if you go back, I think if you turn the cock back, people were expecting this report to be like they were buying all of their players Range Rovers. You know. Uh, so when it came back and maybe it wasn't that big, you know, they had to sensationalize it a little bit because, look, we told you Ole Miss was cheating and now they're cheating. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, they're kind of a victim of their own circumstance, I think. You know, granted, they broke rules. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be punished. I'm just saying that maybe this has been blown a little bit out of proportion uh, by the public for that reason. All
1: right. So, you know, exactly. I mean, you know, the the rules will be broken. More schools will break the rules. Is going to continue? Schools are breaking the rules right now as we speak. I wish there was one of those commercials where an NCAA rule is broken every three seconds, (laughs) you know, know, somewhere in America, (laughs) which is 100% true, especially if you factor in basketball recruiting. Uh, But, you know... Yeah, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think, though, if if they let it linger, it will hang over. And it will affect recruiting. I think, you know, you take it on the chin as soon as possible. We'll be watching that story into the summer. Uh, you know, not a whole lot going on elsewhere. South Carolina picked up a commitment from uh, Jay Urich, who's a guy I really like. He's been a guy who's uh, been a late riser in the class, a classic guy. Uh, kind of following a path of our boy uh, Mac Jones to a, a smaller perspective. You know, he got a few offers late. I think Tennessee was looking hard at him. Uh, Duke came in with the last minute. That was a school he really wanted, but it was kind of a day late and a dollar short there. Ole Miss was also looking at him. Uh, he ends up committing to South Carolina. He's an in-state kid, Uh tall kid who can run. Uh, you know, he can run, he can pass, he can do a little bit of everything. So I like the addition there. Another quarterback domino falls. And, uh, and and so as we shift, we did our SEC podcast a few weeks ago where we went through every option. The one I wanted to talk to you about uh, now with Yorich off the board was uh, Kellen Mond and uh, Nick and I obviously talked more Baylor uh, during the Texas Roundup. Is he a slam dunk to Auburn though? That's that's the question that everybody kind of wants to know. Is does Auburn you know does is Auburn the one that benefits think- here from this Baylor situation?
0: Yeah, they're option A. You know, Ohio State is hanging around, but I don't think that they're option A. I think that if you're handicapping it right now, that, you know, the odds are 75% in Auburn's favor. I think he was already looking very hard on Auburn before our brows was fired. Uh, so maybe this just kind of helps uh, streamline the process. Um, you know, I won't be completely floored if he ends up Ohio State or other, but I think Auburn is definitely the runner.
1: Yeah, Nick and I will talk about Texas A&M's chances there. They, you know, unfortunately for them, they just took a quarterback commitment, which was a weird situation. But if you look at, you know, they, of course, of course, if you look at uh, Ohio State's class, they've already got Danny Clark, who was, I think, a guy that they would probably recruit over at that position. uh, no offense to Danny. Uh, to, speaking of guys that, you know, the, the the alpha in the room, he would not be that guy. I think among uh, the quarterbacks, at least based on the way I've seen their interactions. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> but I, I think Mond could be the guy Auburn really needs. Man, I I, I have not been thrilled with their quarterback recruiting in past years. Uh, you know, I love Sean White. Uh, you know, he was a, he was a real good kid coming out, a guy that I like to deal with a lot. Uh, one of the nicest recruits ever, but I didn't like his fit at Auburn. I said it at the time. Uh, Woody Barrett's a guy that that we thought was was inconsistent. You know, he yo-yoed in the rankings. I think he finished as a three-star at the end uh, because because of you, not me, Auburn fans, which I'm sure they'll blame me for that. <laughs>
0: No, nah, you know, I, I, as we always say in this podcast, you eat a lot of my crap
1: from them. Right,
0: um, right exactly. <laughs> they have just, like, decided that anything bad that happens is your fault, even if it's in one of my states, which is great. Because, you know, then I just go over there and watch you burn. Right, right <laughs> exactly.
1: Just, it's great. The year before that, they got uh, T- Tyler Queen, which, you know, I think that experiment. Another, He's another guy that I don't think uh, – fits fits there and that's putting it uh, I guess that's a generous way to put it at the I was surprised at the time that he ended up being their quarterback in that class so then they they got a couple athletes they got uh, the transfer from Florida State who went to Juco who was a two-star didn't play at Florida State and became a four-star which uh, you know I I was kind of interested in the rankings but I think you know so if, if you look at all those changes that's a that's a lot of things that have happened Kellen Mond comes in, all of a sudden you have your marquee guy. He's one of your top choices. He's not third or fourth or fifth down the list. He's the top guy. So, And I I think him and Gus Malzahn's offense would be something, uh, you know, that would be really fun to watch.
0: Yeah, and one more thing I wanted to note getting away from the Auburn before we go, just interesting notes of the week, is a situation for Miami fans to watch. Um, You know, once upon a time when we ranked Trajan Bandy, the Oklahoma commit, as a four-star when he had zero offers, uh, he told me the offer he wanted most was Miami. Uh, it took him forever. He racked up 40 offers. Committed to Oklahoma. This week, Miami offers. Him. He visits today almost immediately, uh, and there's definitely something brewing there. Uh, I'm not going to say that I think he's going to flip because I don't know if he's going to or not. But I think that there is a very good chance that it is a situation that should be monitored down the road, and that the Sooners are going to have to fight, to hang on to him. I mean, he's wanted this Miami offer. It's local. He's got two teammates committed to Miami. And all of a sudden he's visiting right after he gets this offer he's been waiting for. Uh, if I'm going to home, I'm sweating this a little bit. Please. Yeah,
1: I'd be nervous about that one too. We'll be following that into the five-star challenge, which is next weekend. Hopefully, uh, you know, we get a lot more time to sit down with the players, do some one-on-one interviews uh, or two-on-one or three-on-one, depending on uh, how things shake out. So. That'll be interesting to watch, and you'll have a chance to see him in person. Be sure to check out Rivals.com for all of that.
0: Yeah, we'll try to get we'll try to get Bandy on the podcast for Miami fans and Oklahoma fans next week.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe you guys can talk. I don't know if he'll open up. He's he's kind of a quiet kid sometimes. So, uh, hey,
0: yeah, not in field. I'll tell you what. No, you know you might have a pretty good relationship. He opens up with me. He's pretty boisterous. I think. Uh, I think he'd be a good Yeah, he likes you.
1: So so be sure to follow us. Uh, you know, you can follow me at Rivals Woody. Rob is uh, at Casty underscore Rob. Uh, Leave us a review on iTunes, subscribe to the podcast. You can also find it on YouTube. Uh, It's on several other podcasting platforms as well, so check it out. We're going to head out to Texas where Nick and I will kind of touch on more of the Baylor stuff, talk a little Texas A&M and a few other things uh, in this week's Texas Roundup. Welcome into another edition of the Texas Roundup with uh, Nick Krueger, Nick. All settled in in Texas now, dominating the news cycle, as I'm sure all of our listeners already know. But, you know, guess what? Guess who dominated the news cycle last week before it even started? Uh, This guy, Woody Womack, predicting Art Riles would get fired uh, mere hours, right, before it actually happened?
2: Yeah, we got that podcast up just in time for your prediction to be, uh, you know— what Womax Wom- I guess we we should start calling you.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, uh, as the fans of the Texas roundup will know, I also predicted Tate Martell would decommit uh, within a day of him doing so. So, guess what? Maybe I should be the Texas analyst after all. All right, <laughs> it's settled. I'll move to I'll move there. You move back here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so obviously, we got to talk about Baylor. Uh, a total. Total upheaval uh, with the coach, athletic director, and president all being fired. Uh, they bring in Jim Grobe uh, to replace uh, Art Bryles. A lot of the staff still staying, but uh, uh, wreaking havoc on the uh, recruiting class so far. We've had all kinds of decommits. We got kids who signed last year trying to get out of it. What I want to talk to you about, though, is you know who does this kind of benefit the trickle down uh, of these decommitments that we've seen, especially in 2017 uh we can start with Hezekiah Jones and kind of go from there. I know he's a guy that, that you talk to a lot. What's the sense you're getting from the players about the other schools that might end up uh, you know, benefiting from obviously what's, you know, a, a unfortunate situation.
2: Yeah. Well, uh in Hezekiah's place, I think the <clears throat> I think the first schools you got to look at are Notre Dame where he took a I, I, he took his last visit to uh when they played their spring game, you know, even even before any of this was even a a concern with Baylor talking to you know talking to him and his dad. I know they were really impressed with the tradition out there. Really liked what they saw as far as the game day experience and had a nice time out there. I think they're definitely a school that you know is in contention at this point. And uh, not too long before that, Alabama came through with an offer. And as you know, we all have known for a long time now, you can never write Alabama off when they choose to get involved with a kid either. So my sense from Hezekiah and, and actually all the, all the players uh, that were involved with, with Baylor's recruiting classes, you know, it's, it's not going to be a, a situation where there's a, you know, there's an, a hasty next decision made for, for many of them, unless, uh, you know, unless they're looking at just another offer here and there, and they want to just get, get something wrapped up by the end of the summer before the football season. But um in Hezekiah's place, uh, uh, or situation, rather, he had been committed to Baylor for a very long time, uh, and you know, and so e- even though him being an elite player and and having a, a pretty good offer list, uh, the situation with him looking into you know, other options, is might might he might take a, a little bit more time with that considering, you know, he hadn't been as involved uh, with schools coming in and, and recruiting him as a, as aggressively since he had been committed for such a long time.
1: Now, uh, Rob and I talked a little bit about Kellen Mond during our section of the uh, podcast, especially with him being at IMG Academy now. Uh, I think we're kind of expecting him uh, to head to Auburn. I mean, Auburn was already an option that was being talked about earlier as well. But, uh, you know, Kellen came out with his top three, included Ohio State in there, included Texas A&M. Now, Texas A&M t- just took a quarterback commitment. We've talked a little bit about them taking two in the class. Obviously, Mond, I think, would be a home run in terms of talent uh, and, and fit in what they do offensively, I think. Do you think they're a real option for him?
2: You know, I, th- I think as we had talked about it in the past couple of weeks in terms of uh, you know Coach Mazzone's tastes and quarterbacks, and looking at who they've offered since uh, you know Tate Martell departed, it definitely seemed like they were heading more towards the pro-style quarterback, the guy that's gonna that's gonna stand tall in the pocket and make the throw. And if they feel like Kellen Mond is a guy that does that first, and then brings that element as a guy that you know that has a little bit more escapability, uh, gives them another option running the ball. Uh, you know in in certain situations as long as as long as it's a you know it's a throw first sort of scenario with him you know if if his if his talent throwing the ball supersedes what he brings as far as a runner goes then yeah i mean he's he's definitely in the mix there, I, Connor Blumerick is a guy that you know we had not we we saw in New Orleans. You know he was good there, and I'm sure I'm sure prior to prior to all this going on with Baylor, he probably felt like given Martell's departure, him coming in late, you know he had he had a situation, he had a strong foothold with A and M as as likely being their only quarterback. Now with Mond putting them in the mix, maybe he's a little bit nervous, but I don't think you know I don't think with the two of them there, uh, you know there there's. That I mean, Texas A&M only stand all the Texas schools only stand to gain. Whether you're talking about Mond, Hezekiah Jones, any of these, any of these other players that have departed from Baylor's, uh, you know, recruiting class, you know, from Texas A&M, it's a good problem to have obviously we expect Monda to, to to have Auburn as his leader and we'll see what happens there but if he steps in with Texas A&M uh you know I don't think that necessarily hurts Blumrick either you know we we've talked for a long time since we've started this podcast about the departure of quarterbacks in general fr- from Texas A&M so it's not as though there's not a little bit of space on that roster for more than one quarterback
1: yeah we all remember the Texas A&M fans reaction to uh me suggesting that Kyle Allen should transfer. That goes down in podcast <laughs> history.
2: another another that that might be the first Womack Stradamus moment of, of, That's of right. major major that, note on this podcast.
1: Yeah, I forgot about that one. That was mid that was mid season when I called for that to happen. Actually I'm looking up Blumrick, I mean, as as I look back on it, he was I mean, he, it was between him and the uh the other kid for the quarterback M V P at that camp and actually I think uh you know, the other kid, uh, Jacob Free from Alabama, won it. And I had a little uh, back-and-forth with old Peter Voss, the former Notre Dame offensive coordinator who coaches quarterbacks for us. He, uh, you know, he, he wanted Blumrick. So that shows you, you know, that I think I know better than former college coaches. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> clearly Texas A&M saw something there. I think I think the thing that hung me up on Blumrick, I just remember uh, his footwork. I mean, he's he's definitely plays out of the shotgun. And uh, he's going to have to spend a little time working on that. But he—he he was a guy who really excelled at that camp. I just kind of forgot about that as, as I was going through everything here. So, anybody else that 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 popped out of that class that you think okay, you know this is a this is a guy who could you know Texas is going to benefit from or Texas A and M or another school like that.
2: Uh, you know, there's a few other guys here and there as far as Baylor's recruiting class was concerned. Donovan Steiner is a defensive back uh, that that had decommitted a three star guy who's. Definitely a guy that brings a lot of potential and has a nice long frame and the type of build that you like to see from a defensive back and the type of defensive backs that all these Texas schools are recruiting now. Honestly, they're they really they're really gunning for the six foot and over uh, cornerbacks. We know there's a couple of safeties here in the state that uh, are elite prospects as well. So um, you know it'd be he he's he represents a good depth. Player for wherever he makes his ne- commitment to uh, next commitment to the other major commit that Baylor had in the fold at the time was four-star tight end Kedrick James, and he was a tight end that you know obviously you look at you look at kids highlights films and they're putting on the the big catches and the big plays but I thought he really uh, represented more uh, of a well-rounded tight end prospect not not somebody that was going to be a significant receiving threat downfield or anything he's not a, he, he's not a speedster by any means he came to he came to one of our camps a couple years ago and. Uh, you know, represented himself well, but definitely the type of guy that you took based on his uh, on his physical potential, and you know hoped he turned into something more. So, but he's, he's he was a guy that uh, you know was a highly ranked guy for us uh, heading into this most recent uh, recent ranking cycle, and is definitely going to be a, a nice feather in somebody's cap when he makes his next com- next commitment as well.
1: All right. Well, I mean, plenty of talk about uh, Baylor. We're going to continue to monitor that situation going forward. Uh, you know not a lot of news on the on the commitment front down there in Texas, so I guess we'll keep it kind of short and sweet. we got uh, we got plenty of stuff going on now you're you're uh, headed to hit some satellite camps coming up right in
2: the next week or so. Well, we're gonna have to see I mean, as people in Texas know the weather here has really been uh, has really been something crazy to deal with. you know every morning I wake up i I've, I've been waking up pour that first cup of coffee, settle in to start getting getting to work on some things you know, turn on, the turn on the television just to get a little local news, a little sports center, or anything like that. And it's just constant, nah, you know, local broadcast, uh, flash flood warnings and thunder, severe thunderstorm warnings. And, uh, you know, and that's really, that's really kind of wreaked havoc on, uh, you know, on, on me making long-term plans for, for camps over the, over the next couple of weeks. Plus we have the five-star challenge coming up, uh, next weekend as well. So, um, you know, I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna head out to Dallas this weekend and check out a state qualifying seven on seven tournament, and uh, possibly take in a, a, another camp after that. We have Sound Mind and Sound Body in Houston on that Monday and Tuesday. There, following um, right before the Five Star Challenge. So, uh, we'll see. We'll see what uh, what happens at those events, and you know, hopefully, we get some good content out of there.
1: Yeah, we're gonna be doing a lot of podcast stuff. Hopefully, some sit down conversations with some recruits for our. Commitment Issues Conversation Series, which uh, is very critically acclaimed by myself and maybe my mom, although I don't think my mom knows what a podcast is. Uh, she sure knows how to hit me up asking for money, though. <laughs> so luckily she'll never hear this, uh, so it won't be an issue. But uh, all right, Nick, thanks a lot for, for popping in. We'll continue to, to follow you on Twitter at Rivals Crew City. and We'll be back with more Texas Talk next week.
0: All right, Woody, the tumbleweeds have cleared, and here we are back from Texas. Uh, it's you and I again back in the Lower Southeast where we belong, and it is time for everybody's favorite portion of the show. I know my favorite and your favorite rants and recommendations. Uh, do you want to start with your rant, or do you want to start with my recommendation? Well, let's
1: do a rant first. Since I'm the
0: yin, I'm the yin to your yang. All right, let's
1: do the rant first. I got so many things to complain about this week. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of a lot of people have taken my wrath <laughs> in real life, not on the podcast. <laughs> I've had a great week of yelling at people
0: <laughs> Hold on, can I tell a story before you start in my favorite one of these stories okay, yeah. is Woody sends me a screenshot last night and I won't name the prospect out of, out of respect to the prospect but it's two messages from this player in a row that say Mr. Woody how can I get my ranking up on rivals and they're separated by a day and Woody's response back in the blue is a good start would be leaving me alone about it. <laughs>
1: I almost fell out of bed laughing. Stop (laughs) bugging me about it was what I told them. As I've told the kids several times, I mean, listen, no prospects listen to this show, but if they did, this is not the time to worry about your ranking. This is summer camp season. If you're going to get an offer, this is when you're going to do it. You need to get out there, get in front of coaches at real camps, not satellite camps and earn an offer. Uh, So, you know, I had told the kids several times, (laughs) don't text me, don't text me. Uh, you know, he was uh, a guy who came to our camp, which was, you know, con- you know, tied into some other players. Kind of a guy that was a, a fringe guy. So, for him to be uh, blowing up my phone, unfortunately, I had to keep it one thousand. You know. <laughs> <laughs> keep it a thousand. Unfortunately, the kids want everyone to keep it 100. And when it happens, you know, they don't like it as much when it's an adult. So uh, sorry to that kid, but I'm not sorry. I'll tell you what else I'm not saying.
0: Yeah, you know, it's just an example of, of what you've been this week, anyway.
1: Right, exactly. So just an example of, you know, the, 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 the whatever Dodge Chrysler Jeep dealership that I threatened to drive my car through their showroom. Uh, I'm of, I yelled at someone for quote tweeting me in a tweet on Twitter. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else, what else I yelled at. So there's been a lot of yelling going on and uh, recently I've been seeing almost a, a mini comeback on on social media as posts of people playing the game Cards Against Humanity which you want to talk about the stupidest game that's ever been invented, it, uh, in my opinion, the game of Cards Against Humanity was invented for people who aren't funny to try to be funny. It's like... Nah, I'm with you here, 100%. I mean, this game is so stupid. It's basically Mad Libs. Hello, people. Have you ever done Mad Libs? But
0: it's not, but it's not even Mad Libs. It's just... Have your friends read some dirty words off a card and say offensive things. I can do that without a card. If you want me to say offensive things, we can turn the microphone off and I'll just let them throw right. I can
1: say a lot of offensive things. Well, I get so mad at this. I, I mean, you know, it, it's it's been a thing among, you know, especially 20-somethings and now, you know, 30-somethings. Oh, we're going to play. You know, we've been drinking. Now it's time to play cards against humanity. It's like you're not funny. This game is horrible. I swore it off, I think, two or three years ago. I said, I will never play this game again. And It's like the Buffalo Wild Wings of card games. I'm not doing it under any circumstances. So... Uh, don't play cards against humanity. Don't go to Buffalo Wild Wings. And if, if you know what they should, they should have a, a, car, a Cards Against Humanity tournament at Buffalo Wild Wings and just lock everyone up who who shows up for it, like those to catch a predator situations.
0: <laughs> yeah, whatever happened to, you know if you're gonna play a drinking game? Whatever happened to just a good old fashioned chugging contest? I don't know. You know, <laughs> at least that's
1: interesting. What, you know, you don't gotta make up like like you said. It's especially all these people who are allegedly, you know uh non-binary you know liberal types (laughs) and then they play this game where they (laughs) they can say all this offensive stuff it's like it's almost like a release from them where you don't have to be politically correct but guess what you know it's still offensive isn't it or no yeah
0: well because you're reading it off cards somebody else wrote it you know it's like uh you know reading a it's like reading a book with offensive material on it you know it's set at a different time it's characters in a different voice. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's the way of getting around it. it would be, hu- um, no, but I agree. I think it's boring. It's my biggest thing with it is it's just like, like I said, I don't need cards. I don't want to get drunk and hear offensive things. I can just go to my Uncle Dave's house, you know? He's real <laughs> good at getting drunk
1: and saying offensive things. You do not need any cards. I don't even need to be drunk to say offensive things. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, anyway. So that's it for me. That's my rant. Is no more cards. Please do yourself a favor. If you have it on your shelf right now, just go take it and throw it in the trash because it's... It, it's garbage let's hear the positive my recommendation i
0: have no rant this week but i do have a recommendation
1: i've been listening
0: to a delightfully weird podcast uh called internet explorer which is hosted by a guy named ryan Broadwick. Uh, he has co-hosts as well katie her last name is greek and i cannot remember how to pronounce it my apologies to katie who will not be listening oh to this a podcast.
1: A great and it's basically a,
0: yeah yeah it's basically a, a roundup of all the weird stuff happening on the internet. But the tone makes it so funny because you know it's like this fake self-loathing tone that they do the podcast in, and it's you know it's like what has the internet been up to this week, and you know it's all stuff that maybe I'm vaguely familiar with, but you know they're two very funny people, uh, I think they frame it in a very funny way, and you know it's a Buzzfeed podcast. Uh, they're both reporters, both very smart, and you know I really I think people would enjoy it if they gave it a chance. I don't know if it has a huge listenership. I can't really tell. It, it may be a medium-sized podcast, probably bigger than this one, uh, but it's very good. For the most part, and I highly recommend checking it out.
1: I've been trying to find the uh I'm actually trying to find the uh i try to find who the host is. Uh
0: yeah, I got her on my Twitter, hold on. Oh here Hi, it is. Katie
1: Notopoulos is her last name. Yeah, yeah. That's she's it. She's taking out some O's, she's taken out some U's out of her name though, I think, if I were if I were to guess. So she's only got one U in there uh chances are there were a couple a couple more originally somewhere down the line you can find it's on soundcloud uh, they get a lot they, well actually they have about the same size audience we do so uh yeah, maybe we got a little bit bigger audience than them so big shout out to them you're actually giving them a bump for buzzfeed you think buzzfeed would have more listeners than us right yeah you'd think i mean this is like a bitch podcast for
0: sure though like i said it's for people that spend time on the internet that's, I mean, it is not for people that are not at least semi dorks. It kind of uh, s- strikes me why as why like a, I love many.
1: the '90s type situation, huh? Similar to that.
0: That yeah, kind of. Except a well, lot smarter, I think. Like it's not as on the nose. <laughs> so I love the '90s. i the
1: I love the '90s, man. Remember all those people? That was like their whole job was just doing those things, making fun of stuff. I was like, man, I could do that. Yeah.
0: The, there was a lady that was my cousin does comedy in New York. Uh, and there was a lady from his theater, the Big Shot to the Pit, the People's Improv Theater in New York, that was on those shows. Uh, and then actually went on to be in an MTV show. I can't remember what the name of it was. It didn't run very long. Uh, but also, then they got like bigger, like
1: quasi celebrities, right
0: on I Love the Nights. Like I remember Edge, the wrestler, was on there for a little while. And yeah. you know, they had these weird, like mis hodgepodge of names. Yeah, Rich
1: Eisen would be on there, play, people like that. So. Anyway, uh, check out that podcast. Rob likes it. I can't think of if I have any recommendations this week. Actually, you know what? Uh, <laughs> I will give a recommendation. I was in, uh, K and G, uh, <laughs> Outfitters, which is, a. Uh- uh, kind of a suit, uh, men's fashion. I actually have women's stuff, too. It's a store in Atlanta. There's actually... I know it's in New Orleans, too, so that's why I wanted to give it a shout. It's got several Atlanta locations. I ran into uh, Dennis Scott, Orlando Magic, former Orlando Magic basketball player. I know a big favorite of uh, Rivals, Crook City, coming up. And uh, I ran into him. He was actually picking out his suit to wear for the uh, Craig Sager tribute night. So... Uh, it was exciting. It was exciting to talk to him. Yes. K and G, great prices. I mean, I bought some outlandish clothes there. I know I've sent you uh, pictures from there as well of ridiculous suits. I uh, actually went with a houndstooth jacket that I wore to the
2: uh, yeah, well, wedding. Right?
1: Yeah, well, no, I, that was the you were thinking of the the kind of polka dot one. This one was a houndstooth yeah. that I wore uh, to a wedding I went to over the weekend. Didn't get the kind of rave reviews I, I had hoped for. It was kind of a blasé. Uh, crowd there they didn't go give me the the fashion uh uh confirmation what's the word i'm looking for i don't know when you know when you when you reaffirm somebody what is it called anyway validation say, maybe
0: or, yeah va- validation is what you're looking
1: for right man it's it's been a long day out in the sun but anyway uh <laughs> lots that's, of satellite
0: camp fun today
1: me and the houndstooth jacket with a bow tie, you would have loved it. It would have been, it was prime frat clothes. It would have gone over real well if at a formal back in the day at old K-State where you we were going to those things. <laughs>
0: I'm I actually kind of went to a quasi formal in Las Vegas this
1: weekend. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. We'll leave that for another episode. So, give a big shout out to our boy M Deuce. Uh follow him on SoundCloud. He was actually in Vegas the same time as you unfortunately. I
0: invited him over. Yeah, I wanted him to come over. We had a we had a whole pool of cabana and everything. You should have come and hung out.
1: Well, you know, I think he was he, he was he was at the Flowrider concert, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it sort of, hurt, sort of hurts M. Deuce's street cred as a music producer That he went to the Flowrider concert But uh, yeah, It would have hurt
0: his street cred as a music producer More if he would have come and hang out with my boner friends
1: Yeah, well he had a, he had his wife with him and That was why I think Probably if it was just him He would have come and hung out But you know you and your frat you and your frat crowd it's not like you actually know him do either, although uh we do talk about him and his family on every episode yeah i met him yeah. <laughs> yeah so anyway follow him on soundcloud he's got a lot of good uh beats on there way way better than anything flow Rider's got going for him so a uh, big shout to him and of course listen to us Nate. keep keep it coming we got more episodes coming if you want an interview request how about this rob ask and you shall receive go online to rivals.com, check out the five star challenge roster, and we will do a podcast with a player you choose. So uh, just hit us up on Twitter and let us know who you want.
0: Yeah, no, but we have vetoing rights. Like, there are a couple guys in Florida. If you choose them and I try to interview them on a podcast, it is going to be brutal. <laughs> I'm uh, just going to put that
1: out there. That's even better. I say we do it. So, All right, well, all right anybody you ask for, we'll, get, we'll roll on here. All right, let's wrap it up. We got NBA finals to watch, so let's get going. All right, hey, wait, wait. Do you, are you watching the game right now? Uh, no, my TV is okay, coming off. So, so let's make a pick. NBA Finals pick. Who are you picking?
0: I'm always taking LeBron, man. Uh, I've right. been Team LeBron for a very long time. I, I got the Cavs.
1: It should be noted that I famously told Rob the Warriors would come back against the Thunder uh, when they were down three-one. I'm also taking the Cavs. Let's go! Let's go, Cavs in seven, baby. I, we want to see LeBron win it, win it all, right? Yeah, absolutely, and I'd like to see it in seven as well.
0: So, With that pick, we'll go out, and I'm sure uh, the freezing cold takes guy on Twitter will not be able to find us here. Take that.